Welcome to the Reiki Gateway Podcast with Reiki Masters Kathleen Johnson and Andrea Kennedy. Journey with us and let's explore what lies beyond the Reiki Gateway. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Beyond the Reiki Gateway. This is Kathleen Johnson with my co-host, Andrea Kennedy, and we have a brand new episode for you today. But first of all, we would both like to extend a very warm thank you to those of you who donated to our podcast and have treated us to a cup of coffee or two. It is very much appreciated And we wanted to extend our sincere thanks before we began today's episode. If you're new to the podcast and you're curious about how you can help support our podcast, you will find a link at the bottom of the show description or the show notes and also on our website, beyondthereikigateway.com. Thank you, Kathleen, for leading us into this episode that's all about spiritual awakening. What a huge topic that is, spiritual awakening. And we're going to cover some basics about spiritual awakening, maybe even a little bit about ascension. That's just such a buzzword these days. But what is spiritual awakening? Are you having one? What are common signs and even symptoms of spiritual awakening? We're going to dish about that today. We're going to compare notes and I'm really interested to hear what Kathleen's got to say about it because um, I actually haven't really thought about it too much with respect to myself. I think this is going to be a pretty interesting topic, and we hope that you'll stay tuned with us as we explore this topic beyond the Reiki Gateway. What we'd like to do today is ground a very big spiritual topic into today's reality, into the reality of living on planet Earth. Now, that's not always easy because this is not a very grounded topic. We're talking about spiritual awakening after all. However, there are ways to, as Andrea said, ground it into everyday reality and have a sense of what it is all about and how it can really affect your life in ways that you've never even imagined. Now, for me, I look at spiritual awakening as a journey. The spiritual awakening process is a journey that eventually leads us to becoming our whole and authentic selves. And of course, that is what we're trying to do here with our podcast and in our Reiki practices and in our work with clients. We are trying to lead ourselves and others into that space of wholeness. It's all part of the spiritual awakening process and spiritual growth. If you look up the term spiritual awakening on one of your favorite search engines, you're going to find so many different interpretations of it to the point mm-hmm. that it's almost dizzying. It, you read this and go, whoa. Some people say, oh, there's five stages. Some people say there's 43 stages <laughs> and everything in between. <laughs> so Looking it up can be in itself a daunting task. What we're trying to do today is share our experiences and the experiences of some of those with whom we've worked. And again, bring it down to earth a bit so that perhaps you have a better sense of what spiritual awakening means to you 
and how it arrived or may arrive in your life going forward. If you're listening to this episode and you've listened to our podcast before, I would guess that you probably are experiencing a spiritual awakening because we discuss the kind of topics that appeal to those on the spiritual path journeying to their authentic selves. You're so right about that, Kathleen. In preparation just for getting going today on the episode, I decided to do a little Googling about it, and my head started spinning because, as you said, different sites have all these different symptoms and signs and things like that, and some of them were quite different. Some of them resonated with me, and some of them I just thought were not in my frame of reference. But, you know, like you said, all we can really do today is share our current level of understanding. And that changes for me all the time. So I know 25 years ago when I started with Reiki, 26, I guess now, I just was embarking on a spiritual awakening and I had no idea. Of course, I don't think that we really give it much thought. Uh, I think we probably realize at some point that we've come a long way spiritually and it's just really through contrast that we might figure out that we have been awakening i just don't think that it's something we really actively think about but if we can recognize that we're on a path of spiritual awakening then we can better understand what is happening for us and perhaps connect with other people who are having similar experiences which that kind of support could be tremendously helpful as we go along and allow us not to feel alone or perhaps scared or fearful about what's happening. And so I'm excited to talk about this today and hopefully lend a little help to listeners out there who might be curious about this topic. Yes, that's so true because speaking for myself, when I started my spiritual awakening, at least as near as I can tell. I mean, it's hard to really say where it begins in retrospect. I was working in law enforcement, <laughs> of all things. And it was during that phase of my life where I started to realize the depth of compassion that I carried within myself and how my desire to be of service was far greater than I ever realized it to be. When I was in law enforcement, I found myself gravitating to the victims of crimes and to the witnesses, people who had been traumatized in one way or another. And I often took on the role of a sort of counselor for them, just holding space for them and allowing them to share their pain and their journey and just talk, just hold that space. And I became more and more comfortable with that. And I realized that this was something that really called to me. Prior to that, I had not really had any kind of, I don't know, awakening or an idea of myself as a spiritual being, even though I'd had a religious upbringing. Religious and spiritual was something that I just sort of kind of pushed away from me for a while. But the law enforcement career, of all places, like I said, you would not think that would be a place where you really start to notice your spirituality, but that's what happened with me. And particularly in one incident, this was 
probably in the, I would say, mid-80s. And I was walking by an office door, and two of my colleagues were in there having a conversation. And I was just walking past, not really paying attention. And I heard one of them say reincarnation and karma. And I just stopped. I stopped dead in my tracks, and my head swiveled around. And I didn't interrupt them. I kind of gathered myself together and continued walking. But those two words, karma, reincarnation, hit me like a bolt out of the blue. It was from that moment on that I started to become very interested in past lives, reincarnation, the role of karma in our lives, to the point where ultimately I began the training and became a past life regression therapist. So that phase of my life, that law enforcement career, coupled with that quote unquote random comment, really started mm-hmm. my spiritual awakening, although I didn't see it that way at the time. But you made a very good point, Andrea. How we can tell the journey so far is by comparing, as you said, contrasting how we were, say, mm-hmm. 20, 30, or more years ago, and looking at how we are now, and even looking at some of the intervening years and how we were five years ago, 10 years ago. And we start to see a progression toward a place of new interest. You start to have new interests. You begin to realize how everything, and I mean everything, is connected. There is no separation. That concept of duality starts to crumble a bit, and it just goes on and on and on. So if you are wondering if you are in a spiritual awakening or have already had yours, and I don't believe they ever end, honestly, I think they're with us throughout our lifetimes because we can always go further. You may recognize some of these things I'm talking about. And just for kind of a thought experiment, compare in your own mind how you were, pick a number, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, 30 years ago, or more, how you were and how you are now, and see what that reveals for you as an individual and how far you've come. That's a great exercise, I think, to practice, Kathleen. And what you said reminded me of something as well. As young people, I think the tendency is to be more wrapped up in ourselves, right? More self-centered, you know, but as we grow and I don't know, this might even be not true. So I would like your opinion on this, but it seems to me that it's a natural progression as we age to not be so self-centered. And as I say the words, I'm thinking, oh, maybe that's just my my own sort of perception because thinking about it, it does seem like there are probably a lot of older people who never outgrew that. So I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think what you just said at the end there, at least for me, is more true than, oh, as we get older, we become much more concerned with others. I think it depends on the individual and how open the individual is to change and growth and learning new things. All of those factors play in. There are some people who think they are just fine the way they are. They have no desire to change, and 
that is their path in this life, no matter how old they get. (laughs) So I can see, you know, you, you have a valid point for some people, absolutely, but for others, not so much. Yeah. Yeah. And I hadn't really thought about it that way, but absolutely. When I started saying that out loud, the truth sort of started coming in. I just kind of felt it coming in there like, oh, no, Andrea, (laughs) that's that's your wishful thinking happening or got my rose colored glasses on or something like that. But for myself, I think a real key perhaps is the seeking, right? Like what you just said was some people grow older and they're perfectly content being exactly how they were. They're not looking for anything else. And I think that that is a big key for spiritual awakening. I think that has got to be one of the defining factors is a person who is seeking, a person who is asking questions. They want to know more. They want to solve the mysteries of who they are, why they're here, how it all works. And that was totally me as a child. I wanted to know all the answers to all of the big questions. And I was so frustrated that we didn't have more answers. I remember the Bermuda Triangle. And I remember thinking, how many years have they known about this? Why is there not an answer to this yet? You know, I don't like (laughs) mysteries like that. I want to know the answers. As I grew up, though, I was in a very mainstream home. And we weren't spiritual or not really very religious either. But I can just remember always wanting to know more, which I think probably for my parents was a challenge because I just was full of questions all the time. I can really relate to that, Andrea. That curiosity, I think, is a key, as you stated. I think it really is a factor in growing and learning and changing. You have to have that curiosity, that desire to know more all the time. And the mysteries must be unraveled and there must be an answer. I was like that a lot when I was growing up. I've mentioned before that I was in a Catholic school, you know, from kindergarten through high school. And when I was young in grade school, I asked a lot of questions and I was taught by nuns mostly. And a lot of the questions made them very uncomfortable. And I know now it was because they didn't have the answers. I would ask things like, why is the Catholic religion the only good one? And things like that. And the nuns did not like that because they don't have the answers either. Mm -hmm. Of course, I didn't realize that at the time. I was six, seven, eight years old. And of course, at that time, their response was to wrap my knuckles and make me sit in a corner. I always had those questions. So much did not make sense to me and so much needed answers. And I was the big why kid. Well, why is this? And why is that? And my mother was probably pulling her hair out half the time. This sounds like you were Mm -hmm. very much the same type of child. But, you know, I think that's important. I think that is important to have that curiosity in life and that desire to always learn more, be a a lifelong learner, a perpetual student. I see myself as that. I may not be actively enrolled in anything all the time, but I'm always learning. And that is a big part of the journey. It absolutely is, Kathleen. When I look back over my life and turning points, so to speak, One of the big turning points I had 
was when I learned Reiki level one, but I didn't even see it as that. And I've talked about this before, but I didn't feel anything with Reiki. I hadn't even looked for Reiki. So I didn't have an appreciation when I first learned Reiki level one. I I guess I took it because I was curious. My uh, great aunt was talking about it and I had never heard of it before. So again, my curiosity led me to learn Reiki level one. But my experience was just very uh, non-spiritual, I guess I would say. I didn't really feel the energy or anything like that. So I wasn't quite sure what to do with it after that. And some time went by before I really started practicing it with any regularity. But one of the things that helped open my eyes was For some reason, I can't even remember what led me to this, but I bought the first Conversations with God book way back. I mean, I was probably in my early 20s and again, searching for answers about life probably. And I bought that book and oh my goodness, you talk about contrast. It was a game changer for me. And for those who don't know, Conversations with God is a book by Neil Donald Walsh, and it's actually a series. And basically, he has a conversation with God. He had a tablet of paper, and he would write a question, and God would give him the answer, and he'd write it down. And whether you believe that that is authentic or not, you know, it's just kind of beside the point to our conversation today. But what I wanted to get across is there were ideas and concepts in that book that just were so different than anything I'd ever heard in my life before. And it would just push my envelope to read, you know, just a page or two. And I just, I would get so rattled, so excited, so filled with more questions. And I just had to put the book down. I had to walk away from it and process what I had just read. I loved it though. I loved the process because I got to sort of reflect the words, the message, the energy from that book onto who I was at that time and see what resonated and what didn't. And it was such a time of learning who I was and what I believed at that time. So for me, looking back, that was such an instrumental book for me. And I think books have a lot of power in that, that we read them and and we do feel a resonance or perhaps dissonance with it, but it helps us more define who we are, who we know ourselves to be. And I think that that is another foundational question that people going through the process of spiritual awakening ask, who am I? Who am I? And for me, that was just such a transformational time. I'm glad you mentioned that book or that series. That is a very powerful series. There's no question about it. And your comment about books. Oh, yes. I just read voraciously and I still do. I have learned so much over the years. But you also said something that is so true. The more I learn, the more questions I have and the more I want to know. And the more I learn, the more I realize how little I truly do know, right? because there's so much knowledge out there, but it doesn't keep me from trying. I Mm -hmm. want to learn this. I want to learn that. And your comment about 
the big questions like, who am I? Why am I here? What am I doing here? For what purpose? These are the big existential questions that most of us, I would say, I'm not going to go so far as to say all of us, because there are some people who probably don't really care. (laughs) But most of us ask ourselves this throughout our lifetime and wonder, you know, who we really are. What is this all about? And where do I fit into this? These are the big existential questions that the spiritual journey, the spiritual awakening can really help to answer, to kind of provide a placeholder for us, like where we fit in. If you can even fit into something so comprehensive and, you know, ineffable, but what is our part in this? What is our purpose? And what do we do now? Those kinds of questions. And we all face those at one time or another. Now, whether we respond to them or not is up to us. And it all comes back to, are we open to receiving the guidance that comes in a spiritual awakening or are we not? Because we always have the guidance. And I think that's important for people to understand that the guidance is always, always there. We always have support from spirit. But if you're not open to it, or you've turned yourself off to receiving, and you're just like, leave me alone kind of thing, you're going to not get it, and you'll be okay with that, I guess. So you have to be open to it and willing to learn and explore and take the good with the bad, because the spiritual awakening process is a very, very bumpy road, and I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It can be incredibly difficult. A lot of symptoms go along with this. I've had my share and having been on this journey for, wow, now close to 40 years and I'm really dating myself, but it's true. I can attest to that fact. It's a bumpy road. Kathleen, what you just said really has me a bit curious. I mean, I guess it goes along with it, right? Curious, asking questions, but I'm wondering if you can Share a little bit, uh, whether it's about yourself or about other people that you know, about this bumpy road business. And afterwards, I can share a little bit from my perspective as well. But I'd appreciate hearing a little bit about that. It's hard to kind of piece it all together into some kind of um, meaningful form. But as we've talked about before in our podcast, Most of what comes to us, whether it's in terms of events or circumstances or people with whom we share our lives or interact, is a lesson. It is a lesson for our soul growth, for our soul on this particular journey in this particular lifetime. And because of that, depending on the lessons we agreed to undertake before coming into body, we can be really rocked by events in our human lives. And this is no surprise to anyone. Life on earth can be very, very difficult. This is not a secret. We all know that. And when you're on the path of spiritual awakening and you're becoming more aware of those changes, it almost seems to intensify because now you're awake you're starting to wake up 
And once you're awake, you can't go back. It's not like, yeah, you know, I don't like this. I think I'm going to go back to sleep. That really isn't a thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sometimes, many times over the years, I've wished it was. I'm not going to sugarcoat that either. But these lessons come and we need to deal with them. And this is where attention to guidance, to the support that's always there, really becomes important. Because if we don't, we're just floundering around in our human existence, wondering what the heck do we do next? I think that's part of why we get these hurdles, if you will, because spirit wants us to work with it. Spirit wants us to listen to the guidance. Spirit isn't trying to punish us. It is trying to get us to grow and evolve and learn and develop as a soul. And it's going to give us all the help we need, but we have to be open to it and we have to be receptive and start listening to it. And that is the hard part for many people, because as you know, Andrea, in our society, there is not a great, great value placed upon this type of event. Spirituality is still relegated as the poor cousin in many cases. It is, that's for sure. I'm so happy, though, it seems that the tide is turning. But maybe that's just from my perspective and my wishful thinking. In my view, I believe spiritual awakening has to do with taking responsibility for who we are for our actions and our place in the world, and a shift that happens in our worldview. I think I touched on it earlier about having a a self-centered view that the, the world sort of revolves around us. Many of us think that when we're young, and, and hopefully, perhaps, we outgrow that and mature. I think for people going through spiritual awakening, it is even more pronounced where they not only look outside themselves and honor other people's feelings and their situations and that kind of thing, but it's more global. I believe that you touched on this before, talking about how duality sort of fades. It isn't really about us versus them anymore. It's a we and an us sort of mentality. And so in a nutshell, for me, that's what spiritual awakening really is. It's about going from I, me, my to we, us, and ours. I would offer that as my take on what spiritual awakening really does mean. And I love the fact that you mentioned authentic self when we started, and it's the journey back to the authentic self which as we recognize ourselves and live from that authentic place, we also recognize that all others have that as well. And again, it just goes into this whole oneness sort of concept for me. Yes, it does. I like your take on what spiritual awakening is. It's a very unique experience for each individual. It is not a one-size-fits-all process, not by a long shot. We are each unique. We each vibrate at a certain frequency that's unique to us. So, of course, our process of spiritual awakening is going to be different than anyone else's. Now, if there are some commonalities, and we can talk about those in a bit, But I see spiritual awakening as 
first of all, a journey because you're starting off, as you said earlier, it's all about me. You know, uh, when I was in my teens and early 20s, of course, I was like that. And a lot of the 20 somethings I know are still in that phase, not all of them. But you move from that me place into the others place. So you come out of the self-centeredness and you start to consider others. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you bring that into your worldview, into your circle. And as you continue with the spiritual awakening process and you grow and evolve, you then eventually move into a place of connectedness where you're starting to realize that, oh my goodness, we are all connected and not just in some airy, fairy, new agey kind of way, but we truly are connected by energy and the energetic web that surrounds everything. And that connectedness does not only include people, it includes animals, plant life, the insects, the birds, all the inhabitants of the planet. Mm-hmm. And eventually, you move into that place of oneness and connectedness is still there, but you move into that place where not only are we all connected, but we are all one. And that to me is what the spiritual awakening process is all about. I couldn't agree more, Kathleen. And it is a process, as you said. And many people, I think, have an idea that it's like lightning striking. You know, uh, Reiki people might be thinking, oh, it's like when Usui received the power of Reiki on Mount Karama, and it's so dramatic and all of that. And I'm sure it can be, uh, of course, but for the, the multitudes of people, it's a process and it's one foot after the other just stepping forward and, you know, maybe a couple steps back here and there. Uh, I think it's a spiral. It's not a linear path by any means. I think it's important to let people know that it isn't about lightning striking or some huge dramatic event. And I would prefer that we be more realistic about it. And I think it's just a way of life, a way of living, looking back or looking more closely at how one lives you can then pick out the pieces, but it's not something that can be prescribed to a person. It comes from within, and you mentioned guidance and following the guidance, and that so resonates with me because uh, I know for myself, that's always been the case. I follow my heart where my heart is guided, and I say heart, and that doesn't even feel actually correct. It's more my gut, right? It's from my center. And it's always just worked out so well. And it's that combination of giving up control or having to cling to things. And so if we're talking about if we're talking about signs of spiritual awakening, I think another one would be a shift away from victimhood, you know, how the world is doing all of this to me, or these people are doing this to me, anything like that. It's about that responsibility for ourselves. And I I did mention that briefly earlier, but it's about a responsibility that we take for ourselves. Another one would be optimism. I'd like to know if you would agree with that. I've always been one 
to know that even in any situation, no matter how unpleasant it may be, I always had a voice within me, a knowing that it wasn't all bad, that there would be gifts coming from this experience and that nothing's ever all bad. And that's one of my core beliefs going through my life. No matter how bad it is for me at that moment, I know that there's so much more that will be offered, that there is a positive, that there will be the gifts coming from it. That has helped me throughout my entire life, going through some pretty difficult things, you know, as most people do. But optimism, I believe, is, I think, a sign of spiritual awakening. What do you think, Kathleen? Yes, I think so. Optimism is a sign. I've always been an optimistic individual, even as, you know, from a young age. And I'm still that way, even though I've, you know, been through hell and back a few times, but it's okay. Your example of victimhood, I think that is so, so important because when we start to see the events in our lives and the circumstances in terms of lessons and opportunities for growth, that victim mentality falls away. Yeah, you can be upset. You can rage against, you know, wrongs that have been done to you. But at the end of the day, you just have to ask yourself, okay, what responsibility is mine in this? What can I take from this? What can I learn? And when you start to look at your life that way, and and the events of your life and those around you, your perspective shifts. And when your perspective shifts, it makes a huge difference in your life because you're no longer looking at your life and the world through the lens of your earth-based self. You're now looking at it through a higher lens, a higher perspective, a soul perspective, as I tell my clients. A shift in perspective makes all the difference. And I have noticed that in so many cases with clients I've worked with. And I don't know about you, Andrea, but I always have clients, their main, I guess, complaint when they present for sessions or spiritual guidance, whatever service I'm providing, is that they feel stuck. I hear that so Mm -hmm. many times. Yes. And yes, you're agreeing. That is an overriding theme over and over again. And that to me is a signal that they are beginning a spiritual awakening. And they'll often say things like, I've never really thought much about any of this energy stuff, but you know, I've tried everything else. I don't know what's going on. The doctors say nothing's the matter. Um, I don't know what else to do. So here I am. And that tells me they're at the beginning of their spiritual awakening that feeling of being stuck and that things just aren't working the way they used to. That spirit giving you a big smack upside the head and saying, hey, here I am. You need to get busy with your progress here, pal. Yes, absolutely. I've seen that so often in my own practice, Kathleen, and I always get so excited for people like that because, like you said, they're sort of at the beginning They're getting their feet under them, you know, their spiritual feet, so to speak. And sometimes 
They'll do some stops and starts along the way in the early days, and they'll say that they feel stuck because they got off that high of making progress, and they they had a resonance, and they felt it, and then the contrast of things die down, not a lot moving, maybe guidance isn't, you know, constant for them or reliably coming in. And that's another thing because then they can feel kind of like they're alone. And and then they question, well, wait, you know, did that did that great thing that happened uh, where I thought I was really taking off? Did that even really happen? And I think that that is where practitioners can really come in and help because we've had experience, we've seen other clients similar to them. But when they come in like that, I get so excited because I just know there's so much wonderful ahead for them. And they just offer me so much hope because the more people on the path, oh my goodness, it just raises the vibration across the board. Oh yes, I get very excited when I have clients like that too. Um, <laughs> probably a little too excited because like you, I, I see so much potential and so much hope there. And especially if I can detect or discern that they're open to whatever comes along, that is, that is such an ideal situation for me. And yeah, the starts and stops, they are very frustrating. I still go through them and I probably will until the day I die. It's its a, not a linear path. It's not a smooth path. But once you shift your perspective, everything changes. But moving back to the starts and stops, you know, and then I think you get that sputtering feeling like, oh, is it all over? Was that it? I don't feel any different. That's usually, at least this is what I found, and I don't profess to be a huge authority on this. I can only speak to my own experiences, but that is usually an indication of some resistance. And I have found that to be a very, very common reaction in most people is that you get so far and then it's kind of like, you know, this is a lot of work. This is hard. I don't like what's how what's going on. Makes me feel kind of yucky sometimes. I thought this was supposed to be unicorns and rainbows. It is not. And that's the resistance. And that, as you said, is where practitioners, holistic practitioners, can be a great help to get them over those rough spots, those bumps in the road, and let them know that this is all normal. This is all part of it. And they just need to stay the course and can offer some tips and some tools on how to smooth their path a little bit more and even open themselves more to the guidance that's available. And you brought up again a little bit about bumpy roads and this might not be unicorns and all of that kind of thing. We didn't really get into that before. And what are some symptoms, right? Um, I know I've had clients who had pain in their body. I had one client and she had such heart pain, I mean, in her chest, and it was very concerning. She was about 50 years old and she had quite pronounced chest pain. And of course I said, uh, go to your doctor, go to your doctor right away. But she went, they did all these tests. There's nothing, nothing at all that they could find for her. And in the end, she decided for herself, it was energy. It was energy in her heart center. 
and it was actually creating physical pain. And I think this is a huge moment for people who maybe aren't aware that energy being stuck in the body can cause physical pain. I'm excited that we just even said that out loud because I think a lot of people don't realize that. Of course, you would want to go and have it all checked out. But when nothing can be found, uh, then please consider there's energy in there that is coming up to be healed, to mm -hmm. be dealt with and addressed. Oh, yes. And a lot of people don't realize that stagnant or stuck energy can ultimately create physical illness, physical yes. disorders. Mm -hmm. Because if something is in the energy field long enough, it will eventually make its way into the physical body where it causes havoc, you know, to some degree or another. Absolutely. And your description of your client is perfect. That's frightening. You're 50 years old and you have terrible chest pains. Yeah, get yourself to a doctor. And I'm exactly like you with that. If someone presents with a lot of really, you know, kind of intense and scary physical symptoms, that's the first thing I ask them. Have you seen a doctor? Mm -hmm. I, I don't just say, oh, let me give you Reiki and that'll all go away. I No, no. It's, have you seen a doctor? Mm -hmm. Are you seeing a doctor? But for the people that have come to me and have received medical intervention and medical science has been able to find nothing wrong with them, but they are still experiencing, I'm thinking of one young woman who had crippling dizziness to the point she could no longer work at her job. She had to actually work from home. And this was before the pandemic. Oh. And it was crippling dizziness. No one could figure it out. They ran all sorts of neurological tests. They did the nose to toes, you know, exam with her, ran blood tests, imaging, you name it. Nothing was wrong. But she was also a very intuitive person and a highly sensitive individual. And I knew that as soon as she came to my space and I began working with her. I said, I think you might be going through a spiritual awakening. And this young woman had a very hard time of it. Not accepting that, she was definitely on board with that and she agreed. But my goodness, the symptoms that she lived with were awful. You know, that dizziness, it would come in waves to the point where it would almost bring her to her knees. Mm. And this went on for months. But she got to the point where she was actually able to hear the thoughts of others she was able to develop her telepathic abilities to the point where she became so highly intuitive and telepathic, it was almost frightening. And I think this was something she had to go through. This was the dizziness. Her, her pituitary, her pineal gland, they were developing like crazy. Her third eye center, the crown, at hard at work to make these tools available to her and created this sometimes crippling pain and anguish, but there was a light at the end of the tunnel. And she is one of the most, I guess, psychic people I've ever met. It's incredible how spirit works within each one of us in the way that is right for each one of us. Now, of course, not everyone has such dramatic symptoms, thank goodness, right? right. <laughs> I would say most of us probably 
somewhere middle of the road. It's the bumps. You get the lessons in the form of a traumatic experience or an illness. For me, it was being diagnosed with a chronic illness, which, I mean, I love the way this all worked out. And at the time, I didn't realize it. But I was diagnosed with a chronic illness, which forced me into an early retirement from law enforcement, which then basically launched me on my spiritual path because I was so interested in learning everything I could about at that time, karma, reincarnation, soul growth. So it gave me an opening to pursue that. So in retrospect, that was all definitely preordained. I had probably agreed to that before coming into this body. Okay, I'll get this chronic illness and that will move me forward. To this day, I know that's what it was. And I still have the symptoms from that. I know that when my symptoms act up, which they do, I need to pay attention because something is, I'm off track somehow. And when I get back on track, they subside. So it's kind of my barometer for how well I'm doing with my own spiritual awakening. I love that story, Kathleen. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, that's really incredible. And it goes back to that thing that I said earlier, how even things that seem so terrible, there are gifts there. It's so hard to see them at the time, but I know if we can have faith that we will find them, that can really help get us through Some symptoms that I'd share with our listeners that I've had along the way were pretty mundane, but they might be of interest to people. I would say vision was one for me that has really changed. Seeing things psychically with my eyes open, that was a big shift for me. And that really happened around the time I started noticing a great sensitivity to light. I would leave my Reiki office sometimes after sunset, and I would be driving home, and I couldn't stand the headlights in the other cars. And I quite honestly was getting pretty angry at all these drivers driving around with their brights on all the time, and I'm flashing my brights at them, and I'm because it was painful and just so, so uncomfortable to have to look at those headlights And then it dawned on me because every now and again, somebody would flash their brights back at me. And I thought, wait, that was so bright. They didn't have their brights on. And then I started looking for other explanations. And it was my eyes. My eyes were getting more sensitive to the light. The other thing I would notice was during Reiki sessions, I would have visual changes. The first time this happened, a woman had a shirt on, a blouse, and it had a geometric pattern on it. And I was just there in the flow of Reiki, looking down, and a whole large area of the pattern on her blouse seemed to lift up from her blouse, and it spun around like in midair, and then it went back into her blouse. And I was just dumbfounded, I'm sure, and my jaw probably opened. I thought, what on earth was that? So for me, it was a lot of visual changes that would occur. And then I would begin to see other things in sessions. And so that was a big validation for me that I was progressing down the path. Yes, it's interesting how we sort of figure that out eventually. Uh And 
your light sensitivity resonates because my eyes are incredibly sensitive to light. They've always been somewhat sensitive because I'm very fair-skinned and I have blue eyes. But my goodness, I'd say in the past 10 years, so sensitive. And I can really relate to the high beams. And I have also made the mistake of becoming enraged at the high beams (laughs) that were really low beams. And I was just perceiving them as high beams. But I have also had the eye exams. Everything's fine. It's nothing wrong with my eyes. But I think overall, it's just an increased sensitivity in general. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not limited to vision. For me, it's been an increased sensitivity overall. Yes. Another symptom I've had, and I still get to this day that kind of freaked me out when it started, was a buzzing or a ringing in my ears. Mm -hmm. And I thought this was something wrong with my ears, of course. This was quite a while ago. And I went to the doctor and your ears are great. No problem. Your hearing is fine. And I told them what was happening. Don't see any evidence of any issues. It seems good. And Eventually, I came to realize that this is spirit's way of contacting me. And that is what it has evolved into. When I get that buzzing or that ringing in my ears, or it's sometimes it's like a high-pitched whine almost, that is when I know to pay attention to what's going on or what was said or what just um, occurred because something is there for me to note and take and learn something from. I particularly notice in sessions with clients, it does happen when either they say something that's important or I get a message from spirit or something happens in a Reiki session, I get that ringing. It's like, whoa, I better make a note. It's one of the ways the spirit communicates with me. There's lots of ways that Mm -hmm. you get these messages and the guidance and the physical symptoms are part and parcel because we're human. Mm-hmm. How else is spirit going to contact us except through our human physical bodies, right? Yes. That's a great way to get our attention. And that's what it does. Absolutely. Yeah. That gets the attention very quickly. Yes. You're so right as well about being sensitive across the board with our senses. I know in my Reiki office, I had a hallway outside the door and I was so sensitive to the noise and there was a door at the far end of the hallway and I would be in there with a client and we'd be in the middle of the session and oh, I could hear the tiniest sound way down the hallway and I would think it would be disturbing to my client. They didn't hear it. I was just so open and sensing at a whole nother level during the session. So you bring up the ears. It's so right. And I had to remove the second hand on the clock in my Reiki room (laughs) because it was deafening to me during a session. And it was just hilarious. But yeah, I had to take the clock apart and break the little second hand right off of it. Oh my goodness. I know the sensitivity increases like crazy and it seems to get more so over time. I am not becoming any less sensitive as time goes on. I am becoming more sensitive to the point where I think sometimes I don't know how much more sensitive I can get because sometimes being very, very sensitive can be difficult. It can be painful. And it is for me, I cry at the drop of a hat 
Mm-hmm. I feel everything so, so deeply. Forget the ringing in the ears, forget the vision, the light sensitivity, but the internal sensitivity to what is going around you and to the inequities and the pain you mm. know are going on is just so hard sometimes. It sure is. Yes. The sensitivity across the board is such a great subject, I think, is often overlooked when we talk about spiritual awakening. And to take it one step further, what about in our culture or around the world, probably, we have sensitivities now to so many different substances, dyes, perfumes, foods, additives, you know, allergies that we've never had so common before. From my perspective, I would say I think it has to do with collective consciousness rising, the vibration of our collective consciousness raising. Now, of course, some people are very sensitive physically to foods and, you know, all of that kind of thing. But I think even people, I mean, children who are coming in are, can be quite sensitive to these things. And so I, I think there's another layer to this whole spiritual awakening. It can be individual, but it's also humanity. It's also the spirit of the earth, the animal kingdom. We are all ascending. And there's that word ascending. Ascension is being batted around a lot, you know, on social media and things like that. But all of this is happening collectively as well. Yes, I'm really glad you brought that up because it's so true. It's not just we as individuals vibrating at a higher frequency and ascending, as you said. But we've been going through this shift now for quite a few years. The 2012 shift when the Mayan calendar indicated that it was the end of the Piscean age and the beginning of the age of Aquarius. Well, here we are nine years into the age of Aquarius. Now, it certainly doesn't look like we're making that much progress, does it? Mm -hmm. If you read the news or just pay attention to the energy. Mm -hmm. But you know what? We have, because when you consider that we were in the previous age for 2,000 years, it is going to take some time to make the shift complete. It's not going to be snap your fingers, boom, here we are in the Aquarian age. Yeah, we are. We are in the Aquarian age. But getting to that point where we are fully in it and everyone's on board, the new earth, the new consciousness, as we call it, it's going to take time and effort. And that collective consciousness, the raising of the collective consciousness is a real thing. I'm so glad you brought that up because it is happening. And I see it in my practice. And I know you see it in yours. I can detect it in the energy shifts. I feel more and more people are waking up. More and more people are having their spiritual awakening. And as the individuals have it, so does the collective feel it. As above, so below, right? Yes. And there are no accidents. We've had this global pandemic. This entire world has been affected by this one issue. We had a huge political upheaval in recent years here in the U.S. So we've had that. And that's being mirrored in countries all around the world. And also institutions, things that we had invested in for many years 
all being looked at again, all being taken apart, perhaps dismantled in certain ways. And I think that that is opportunity because as our vibration raises, we need to recreate our institutions. We need to recreate what we outpicture, what we build, our structures, our framework, because all of these aches and pains globally, that's a reflection that we are ascending because that doesn't resonate with us anymore. And we need to now rebuild in a higher way that resonates with who we are now, but also who we're becoming as individuals, as the collective. And even though we've had so much pain and suffering, again, I'm going to say that silver lining is recreation, re-knowing in higher ways. Yes, rebirth. Yes. You know, the new earth, the new consciousness. Sometimes I say, you know, if you want to make an omelet, you have to break some eggs. Mm -hmm. And so I also call it planetary house cleaning. Mother Earth is doing a tremendous amount of house cleaning these days because she needs to. But there is going to be, as you said, a recreation, a restructuring. And that involves what does that involve? Destruction, you know? You have the creation, then you have the destruction, then you have the rebuilding. And I think we are currently in a little bit of both. We are currently in destruction and rebuilding, especially as the collective consciousness begins to rise. We're going to see more and more of that. And I'm like you. I'm very hopeful about the future. Yes. And I like your analogy. The one I use and have used now for a number of years since a lot of this started was from Mother Nature. A forest will get too crowded, the canopies of the trees yes. too congested, and it will become unhealthy. The sunlight can no longer reach the forest floor, and the health of the forest shifts. And so when fire moves through, and of course, lightning can provide that natural fire. So when the forest is unhealthy, lightning strikes and it burns, then it's completely devastating. And I remember after the Yellowstone Park fires all those years ago, oh, it just would bring tears to your eyes to see it after, after it burned. And so many wildfires now are even happening. But that silver lining, the good news is, from that, fertile soil is made. From that, space is created. And there are certain species of pines, lodgepole pines, that their seeds will not germinate unless they are exposed to temperatures only reached by fire. I love nature because it's the oh, full package, yes. right? Everything in that process is divine, how it works. Exactly. And that's exactly. how I think we are living right now on planet earth we've got the metaphorical fire happening but the seeds will germinate and they already are starting in some areas i think there's so much to look forward to i do too and as i said a few moments ago it's the creation then the destruction and then the rebirth and i think it's important for us to be able to use that in a larger way to what's going on globally 
creation, destruction, and rebirth out of the ashes, as they say. And before I forget, I want to address the word ascension because that has, I don't know, when I hear that word, I kind of go uh, a little cringy mm-hmm. because it just sounds a little too, I don't know, maybe religious or uh, new agey or just kind of scary in a way. Like, what's going to happen? You know, mm-hmm. um, I just want to clarify my understanding of ascension is nothing other than a spiritual awakening. It's just more of a fancy word right? <laughs> for the term spiritual awakening. We say the ascension process. Now, because when you break it down, what are you doing when you're ascending? You're moving up. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, because as your spirit awakens, as you go through this process, yes, your vibration is going to elevate. It's going to rise. You are ascending in a sense. But I just prefer the term spiritual awakening as a matter of personal preference. So I wanted to make sure we mentioned that mm-hmm. before we were done. I think that's important. But how do you feel about the term ascension, Andrea? Well, like you, it's a little cringeworthy. I don't think for me it has to do with religion. I think for me it has to do with elitism. I feel like I've seen people claim that they're ascending online, you know, like on social media or something like that. To me, it feels a little bit egoic to say, oh, I have ascension symptoms or something like that. I don't know. But I guess people can become egoic about anything. And in the spiritual realm, I guess it just sort of rubs me the wrong way. So yeah, spiritual awakening. I like that too. Yeah, it has for me at least, far fewer connotations that are cringy mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> than the term ascension. I'm going to stick with spiritual awakening. All right. Well, <laughs> but, agreed. Um, agreed. Well, Kathleen, I think we've talked it all out. And I hope yeah. that our conversation has been enlightening and awakening for our listeners, perhaps. Of course, we would invite you to let us know your feedback about today's episode, previous episodes. And if you don't mind, if you could give us a review on wherever it is you listen to your podcasts, that would be so fabulous. We want to thank you so much for tuning in and sending you a very big hug. Until next time. Thank you again for joining us. And we would invite you to return to another episode as we journey beyond the Reiki Gateway with Kathleen Johnson and Andrea Kennedy.